and there goes that fucking tape thanks to AJ <laughs> we just got done talking about how he had to you know, zoom in and remove some gasp I did at the beginning of another episode so I wanted to make sure I made it difficult and ruined it for him this time too uh, we'll see how it goes um, so what are we doing today so th- we're live <laughs> this is episode 12 brought to you by Celsius energy drinks do not say live, that live do not fit say that live fit put that can down <laughs> get it out of frame um, you, if anything you're just a guy enjoying a beverage by coincidence beverage they're they coincidentally no, is sponsoring us no they're absolutely not sponsoring Please us sponsor us <laughs> Are we going to start this, or what are we doing? Come we've on start, now. We've started. The music's playing. Anyway, we're live. This is episode 12 <laughs> of Andor. Uh, we just watched the season finale, the final episode. Oh, how about it? Yes. I'm your host, Luca. With me, the ever-popular AJ, my Ever-popular. Wow. And we have our special guest, Tyler, today. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Um, welcome. Yes, welcome, welcome. When was the last time you were uh, on here? Months ago, uh, yeah, it was during Obi Wan. So, loyal, oh God, our yeah. loyal listeners, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he always brought me in for like the worst episodes. <laughs> He's done well, too. Thankfully, not this time. This was this was a decent. Well, the whole damn show has been been great. So, yeah, at least you got to come in for for a good episode. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll jump into the summary here in just a bit. Um, I have a lot to say about this episode. Um, I do and so, I don't. Well, I, we'll we'll get into it because we do it kind of scene by scene. But um, the I'll I'll save some of my thoughts for later on when we do when we give our uh, rating for how many uh, sure uh, I guess how many lightsabers we're gonna give it. Where's my lightsaber sound? There it is. So what happened um, this episode? It's just very basic. Um, all the pieces are in place now. So in the last episode, they showed Cyril getting contacted by his old sergeant guy, Sergeant Mosk. The 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 bulldog bulldog guy. fuckface yeah because yeah, yeah. we couldn't remember his name bulldog fuckface that's how I will remember him the subtitles are super helpful because it tells you who's talking it said parentheses <laughs> bulldog fuckface and then I just learned uh, that the big dude twelve episodes later this guy that they've shown since episode one his name is Brasso and I'm like is that his name and then I promptly forget it later but <laughs> all the, so the funeral is taking place it's called Rick's Road um, aka Rick Ross Road um, Nobody. No. <laughs> that was for no one. That was for no one but That's me. for literally no one but you. When I was watching the episode last night, I said that twice, and Sydney was just shaking her head. Did like, you expect the second time to go over better? Yeah, I, I laughed at it twice to this myself. Sounds like um, my house, me laughing at my own jokes. But yeah, either way. So this is the season finale. All the pieces that they've kind of shown moving are in place. We know Luthen's on the planet. We know Andor's going back because his mother Everybody, died. Everybody's on the planet. And you've got Sinta that's been there for a while, looking for Andor, waiting for him to show up. Then Vel shows up. Then um, Cyril and his bulldog sergeant buddy. He bulldog gets fuck off. face. Get it right. Yep, yep. He gets tipped off that they're there. So all it's just a confluence of everybody. And then, of course, um, the and we'll get into it, the opening shot. Mira's there. Then The gang's getting back together again. Did I, did I miss anybody? I don't think uh, so. No. Sinta, uh, Vel, uh, Luthen, uh, Cass, Karn. obviously. Mm-hmm. Karn, Bulldog Fuckface, uh, the ISB in, in force. Yeah. Well, the um, Empire's in force at this point. Well, so I mean, yeah, they're, no... they're pretty much occupying the, the whole city there in Ferris, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're all there. Um, it's a it's a veritable who's who. So <laughs> it's just, you just get to see how that all plays out. That's the very high level. Oh, and then, of course, there's Mar- some... During Marva's funeral. Yeah, Everybody's during... coming together looking for Cass at Marva's funeral, essentially, and, and shena- shenanigans take place. Yeah, so 
I guess we'll get started with our very special guest. Do you mind? Or do you want AJ to talk first? Yeah, let AJ talk first. Oh, jeez, okay, God. Yeah, who the okay. fuck wants to hear my voice? Um, um, I'm just going to start off by saying, uh, yet again, the visuals are fucking gorgeous. That opening scene where mm-hmm. you can tell me what type of ship it was, uh, where the Imper- where, what was it, the ISB coming in, and uh, it's Daedra coming to you know give more shit to poor Bix as she's in her cell looking fucking going psychotic from that crazy alien children dying shit that they keep doing to her. Right, right. Um, that was so gorgeous. And yeah. I, I know it was last episode, but we had to rewatch it right after we watched this, the final episode, the, the space battle scene, mm-hmm. the lab, last episode. Where's my, my sound bite? Oh, there we go. That was, oh, that, that was probably the best like, action scene in the whole mm-hmm. fucking show and looked gorgeous. Luthen is such a badass. Yeah. Yeah. But has, it, I think on, on top of that, importantly, it's, it's a supplement to the real world like set pieces that they've built. Oh, and it's for sure. Not, yeah, it's not like you know episode two where everything is literally CGI and, and it looks like shit. Yeah, like it yeah. looks like CGI in that kind of way where it's like ugly to look at it. It's not layered with like real props or something to give it yeah. some sort of life. That's uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I fucking hate that. The real sets that they built have like real lived in kind of feel and look and authenticity to the eye that you still don't get even with the best CGI in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a great job, no doubt, with the visuals. And yeah, the opening shot of the um, Imperial shuttle, um, it's just a landing craft. I forget. Um, you don't know the exact... It's an XWD-40. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, the name of the one that they captured in... The, the name of the one that they capture to sneak onto Endor is called uh, Tiderium. That's the name of the actual All right, you knew one, itself. but you're supposed to know them all. But it's a shuttle. It's just a okay. it's just a landing. All right. It's one of the smaller okay. ones. But it looked gorgeous. That's all I know. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's a very popular design. They, uh, for whatever reason, they've always got like folding wing. And it looks badass. It gives enough time for the music to... Duh, 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 yeah. As yeah. the wings collapse. Yeah. Are they? Pl- I don't even know if they're playing that music or not. But uh, yeah, it just looks... The whole planet, you could tell. The Empire's here, so of course symbolism it's dark, it's dark and you know there's a storm in the background the shuttle lands it's, it's got its lambda wings coming down or up or whatever yeah no it's, it's yeah. perfect lambda yeah you're right it is a lambda class shuttle i, I did think. not say that i said lambo but i'm glad lambo? you caught on to that okay. and that reminded <laughs> i'm thinking of like delorean 80s style coming down doors you know it's um, fancy yeah, it's cool nonetheless so but they come very, into a cool shot of the, mira showing up yeah or uh, daedra Daedra Miro. Oh, yeah, that's her last name. I only know the fucking Daedra because it, it makes <laughs> me think of, uh, 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 what's it? The Daedra from El, uh, Elder Scrolls. Yes, thank you. But the, she's coming in and poor fucking Bix, right? Like, it doesn't look like she's slept in, in a couple of weeks. She's just like drooling all over herself practically mm-hmm. in this little cell. They're coming to talk shit to her. I, I'm, I'm glad that we got to see some kind of conclusion with her, something going on. But man, Bix, just, yes. Bix is getting fucked uh, almost mm-hmm. as bad as Mon Mothma. Yeah, it's again this, and I'll explain a little bit more when we talk about Mon Mothma. I think we could burn on. through her first because she's separate from everything that happens on Ferrix. We can talk about her first, probably. Yeah, she didn't show up to the funeral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's not. She doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, fucking Mon Mothma. So here's here's my problem, Tyler. They they've been talking. About, they brought back Mon Mothma, the same actress that played her in um, in Rogue One. Oh, it's the, the same, same person. It's okay. the same actress. Yeah. So they got her back. Uh, even Melshi, the the prisoner that uh, Andor befriends, that he escapes with, mm-hmm. that guy is also one of the rebels that's boots on the ground oh. fighting in um, Rogue One. I didn't so, even remember that. Yeah, so they've 
it's really weird because they say these names and then you hear them again and you're like, oh, it is the same actor. Oh, it is that guy. Cool. Now I know where they they found each other. But uh, and I even rewatched that scene again because I'm like, where is this guy in this movie? I know they say his name, but yeah, he's there. But Mon Mothma, same actress. Uh, it's Gen- great continuity. Genevieve something you know, like it, you feel you if you already enjoyed Rogue One, and I thought it was like one of the best Star Wars movies that has ever been made. Yeah, uh, I'll say it before I'll say it again. They took a like you you always say a throwaway line, this stupid plot hole, and make it into this epic, important piece that has such meaning now, and and with great characters that felt real, with like real uh, uh, consequences to their actions, right? Like yeah. it, it was it was very real, and and kind of saving that that keeping consistent and having the same actors in there, you already invested with them. Like it's hard to give a shit about a character the same way when they totally recast them, right? Like yeah. even if it's just voice acting, right? Uh, so the, being able to maintain that same cast has been phenomenal. The this writing has been phenomenal. Just oh, so good. But Mon Mothma getting fucked over again and doing what she has to do, right? We but, find out a little bit more about her piece of shit husband, her degenerate gambler husband. I, I, the reason I bring this up is because I've been saying for the past few episodes that I think her storyline is the weakest, in my opinion. I think so. So they keep. So how many you've seen the show? Yes. How many episodes have they been going back and forth about the money? So so money's missing. She's been funneling money out. It's her own money, mm-hmm. and now they bring in this guy, this gangster, whatever he is, this other banker. Space they, Capone. They bring in they bring in two guys. She's having a party. She's like, hey, I need a banker. And he's like, okay, well, I might be able to find someone to help. Then they bring in another guy who's mm-hmm. this criminal dude who's got the son that he's like, hey, introduce my 14-year-old son to your, you know, whatever age your daughter is. So it's like, ugh, that's a little weird. And we find out because of that, uh, that Mon Mothma's marriage is arranged on her home planet. Um, Hence the god-awful pairing right, which that is she why has. Yeah. Her and her husband might not, you know, have the best of relationship, but whatever. They didn't get to choose. So now her daughter, this banker guy, is like, just, uh, I just want to... She's like, you want a betrothal? But anyway, they've been going on about the money and how she's yeah. going to cover her tracks. So then they talk to one guy. He's like, well, I can't help you, but this guy might. And then so they bring him in. So it's like, okay. And then meanwhile... You're not giving faith... You're not saying the, the whole sequence faithfully it's it's a, a friend of hers like a close friend one right. of the only people that she feels like she can trust is she's trying to like look for somebody to help her he's actually that, an ex-boyfriend of hers there you go that uh has connections uh in, in the financial world and is like this is the only option that i can help you with and and he's giving hints that he's ready to do anything to help you know get rid of what's going on with the empire too like mm-hmm. he's a very sympathetic empathetic character to her right. in the moment it's not just like some hey random banker at rich people party like still he's got just, some importance just this, this whole subplot with the money and how she's trying to cover her tracks i it's like synth or what is it the rebels on aldani they're the ones that made off with you know 40 million you know in cash and it's in coins or whatever <laughs> in quarters Don't, aren't they yeah <laughs> Space aren't quarters. they the ones that have you know money that needs to be stashed somewhere you know meanwhile mon mothma has been Sending money somewhere. We know it's going somewhere, but we don't know who's receiving it. Is it going to Luthen so he could buy weapons and whatever for these so-called rebel groups that he's uh, supposedly arming and training or whatnot? Did some of it go to Vel and, and on Aldani or whatnot? And 
why does Vel even give a shit? She's not even a native of Aldani. So is she helping? Did she go there? Vel gives a shit because she seems like she's self-righteous, not in the same extreme manner that Karn is, but she's mm-hmm. self-righteous and has these beliefs, this like youthful idea of what it should be, which she's not wrong, you know, about the Empire being fucking god awful. Um, right, but, but hold, hold on. I want to hear what Tyler has to say about this. Well, it kind of seems like, at least for Mon Mothma's character and sometimes the ISB, it kind of just shows the galactic consequences of mm-hmm. what the main characters are doing. Sure. It's just that for her storyline, it's like done poorly compared mm-hmm. to like when they have the, the board meetings with the ISB. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not the most riveting storyline. I'll yeah. give it that. As soon as you talk about finances, it, it brings up <laughs> <Yeah>. episode <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> Our one listener has already tuned out <laughs> yeah. due to this. Yeah. Trade, trade Federation taxation. Uh, yeah. It's like reading the opening scroll for, uh, for episode one. Enthralling. I, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Everybody's favorite part. It really, it really captures the imagination. So, okay. Um, and then, I guess yeah. I, I would agree with you. It's definitely not the strongest storyline in the show. If you're going to have gripes, it does drain on a bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like the characters still, how they wrote them and how they're, they're doing this this story for her. Right. It's not the most interesting. I'm not exactly excited when she pops up on the screen. Yeah. Especially if it's one of those typical things where it's like something really cool and fun just happened. Now we're going to cut to this dry part of the story, which is like stereotypical, you know, like scene to scene kind of writing that gets really boring for me. The one thing, uh, so again, they're, they're, She's been going on. She's like, oh, the money's missing. The money's missing. I'm going to get audited. I'm going to get audited. They're going to find me out. And it's like, okay. Um, so, yeah, that's going to happen. And then uh, she's concerned that her driver's spying on her, which she knows he is at this point, which is why she's got to be super, super careful yeah. when she talks to Luthen on Coruscant, <clears throat> Luthen and uh, Clea and whatnot. But also, now she's like, okay, well, I have no choice. I have to, now that I... I don't know if it's because she's seen with this gangster guy from um, uh, her home planet or she's just like, you know what? I've got no other options. I she have doesn't to, have any other options. That's what her. I woman... have to talk shit to my husband and I have to have it recorded. So that way it's out there that so, this is where this money's going. So like a red yeah. herring, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because then the, they tied it up too neatly because it seems like they ran out of ideas with the money. They're like, we've been talking about it for 12, 11 episodes and now we got to do something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... This is why it's like, okay, so they just go, oh, uh, yeah, uh, you see the the original ISB guy, which I forget his name already, but he was the dude that was originally in charge of Ferex before yeah. Mira came in. And yeah. he's like, no, no, follow. He's like, we should follow this lead. And she turned out to be right. So but that guy's talking to the her driver who's it's political, spying on her. Political intrigue. And, and that stays faithful to that ISB agent. I, I can't remember his name either because he was kind of like surface area or, or, or right on the surface kind of like evidence. He just follows it and goes with it and wasn't mm-hmm. too, he wasn't particularly clever compared to Daedra, for instance, where sure. she's seeing more uh, behind an, an action in a situation yeah. than he was. Like he's, he's taken hook, line and sinker, the red herring essentially of yeah. her pretending that there's a gambling issue or whatever the fuck with right. with her husband in order to you know have that get reported back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's it's working, right? So and now, it's, it's political intrigue. It so, took them 11 episodes to think of that. Well, what um, so all right, I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate. What okay, else would you do. have done with Mon Mothma's 
story to make it more engaging. I, it's political intrigue. She can't like whip out a lightsaber and you know pew pew mm-hmm. and you know and there's no fight scenes. It's political intrigue. What would you have done differently? She's a tough character to write for because what do we show her do in the original trilogy? Nothing. She's just a we see her as a leadership role. So okay, she's talking to, um, she's talking to the rebels right before the attack on the second Death Star. So it's like, okay, yeah. she's a leader. She's important. Then when they show her in Rogue One, okay, also she's a leader. She's someone important on the little council of rebels on Yavin 4 or whatever. But then she doesn't really do much. And then they, now they show her in this show and it's like, okay, so she's the financier. She's the one that they're getting the money from and siphoning it off. And she's funding these um, these rebels. And it's like, okay, cool. How exciting can you make that? Which, in my opinion, was not very. Well, maybe they could have compressed it, not have her in every single episode. I, yeah, so it would have made more sense if they took, like, Mon Mothma and just, you know, made her have nothing to do with what's going on at Coruscant whatsoever. Like, if they had swapped her out with Vel's character and just put Mon Mothma where Vel is, so that way we can see that she's a rebel really getting her hands dirty rather than That just wouldn't have been realistic in the moment, though, because, I mean, any sort of, like, capture of her face would have been immediately, oh, we know who this is. This is a fucking, you know, yeah. senator uh, on right. Coruscant. So that wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been able to do anything that's front-facing action that isn't, like, you know, a conspiracy of political kind of, like, intrigue. You wouldn't have been mm-hmm. able to do much of it uh, else with her character yeah. until it's full-on she's leading, helping lead uh, the the rebellion, like in, in, until there's more of that, you can't really interject that into her story. Yeah. Right. I think really the only thing interesting about her character is it's how cutthroat she ends up becoming. Like you having her, to be, yeah, having her daughter is like a political pawn in her game to uh, See, fund the rebels. That that's good. So that's your takeaway. That, that that and that's good because that is also kind of staying truthful to what Luthen talks about. What he has to do when he's talking about his sacrifice, mm-hmm. he has to give up everything and he has to use the same tools of his enemy. Right. Yeah, that was the quote from the last episode. So so or two second episodes. Last, yeah, the two, yeah, whatever, Maybe. whatever. Yeah, um, is is like you know what does she have to give up? Well, what has he had to give up? Uh, Luthen had to give up, and now she's having to give up her daughter to this mobster family, you know, yeah. space Capone here, so that it, she can continue to do what she's doing and they don't get caught. So, I, yeah, I feel like it plays out truthful. I'll, although, is, if I remember correctly, it seems like the daughter was fairly indoctrinated into their oh, yeah. retrograde sort of ideas. She seemed very much on the side of the douchebag dad yes. as far as, like, what she she thought was the, the way the world works. Yeah, the mother is and the daughter don't have the best of relationships. She's got a better relationship with Vel, her cousin um does she know because like vel doesn't really listen um well she the daughter i'm talking about the daughter oh, yeah, um, yeah which is another leia sounding name um i forget what it was there's leia clea then there was her daughter's name is something i don't remember what it was i suppose i could look it up tyler but, perry's medea <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so that's um, what happens with with Mon Mothma, right? She's essentially what we get to see. Pretty dark the, ending. It for is. Her. It's a it's a pretty fucked up ending where he's just, she's essentially introducing her daughter to what's going to be her husband, this mobster's fourteen year old son, yeah. and or at least like, heavily implying. Yeah, we don't know what happens in the <laughs> right, second season. Right. But. I, I don't think that they're just like, oh, this is her quinceanera, and you're invited. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely undoubtedly it's going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fucked up. But yeah, that's Mon Mothma, separate from pretty much everything that happens. The rest of the episode is super focused on Marva's... Ferrix, where everybody is. And yeah. Wh- on Marva's funeral and that whole procession and, when, and, and what happens. 
So what I noticed that was kind of interesting up top was the, uh, which, which is something they don't normally do, is the intro music. So rather than have the typical o- opening credits for when they show the planet and then Andor pops out, they had this horn music playing in the background, which you find out is the, the music they had playing during the funeral. They were playing mm-hmm. this real somber kind of New Orleans style yeah. Um, it wasn't exactly a New Orleans style funeral, except for maybe the fighting that took place at the end there. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but no, none of that's true. I mean, that's not accurate. But um, people do get a little rough uh, in, uh, in New Orleans because everybody thinks that every street is Bourbon Street, which it isn't. But either way. Um, so Sharp the, left of just taking a dump on New Orleans. Yeah, You're just condemning everyone's yeah. behavior of bourbon street the, <laughs> there's yes, our yes. one listener from <laughs> new orleans the horn music was cool it was um, cool and was i'm a, glad you noticed then, that because i didn't i i always fucking blow right past that because i don't give a shit to watch Andor slowly come into screen so i i totally missed yeah that. it's definitely skipped yes when i watch it yes yes that's okay but what i wrote down here next um so yeah after we already talked about the opening well, of uh we get to see a lot of heartfelt stuff with this we you, you even get a little heart tugs there with b because you know b's all super sad i don't want to leave marva's past now right mm-hmm. and and b's in the house and they're like essentially looks like they're about to do a fucking auction of marva shit they're going through and like cataloging it all or whatever and b's like i don't want to go marva i want marva uh and and was it brazo that was, was like, in the previous episode no, no, was it yeah all right i just watched that at 5 a.m this morning so they're kind of mixing for me yeah yeah no that was definitely the previous episode he's like no and he's like brazo was telling him i'll take care of you but yeah. anyway okay so yeah none of that happened in this episode still you get to see b oh. <laughs> yes. but, but he, he's, he's an important character in this still the droid is cool and like K2SO the imperial security droid that's in uh, Rogue One mm-hmm. the, the people that handle the droids that I don't know if they're doing the animatronics for them or whatnot like, um, like you know they did for R2D2 or whatnot but you could tell that they have so much character the people that do it um, sorry this is way really too long um <laughs> There's definitely a lot of life to them. They, yeah. they don't feel hollow at all. They you, you have actual like you know empathy towards them. They're genuine characters. Yeah, they're, they're nice. absolutely genuine characters. More than I can say about other Star Wars uh, TV shows that have come out recently. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so they we understand that there's or they show shots of more Imperial spies. There's a guy wandering around that's keeping an eye on Marva. So. In the previous episode, maybe the one you saw, Cinta has got eyes on Marva's place. We know the Cinta's ISB. there watching. Vel comes in and meets with Cinta. Yeah. They, they they have a whole hot like fifteen sex uh, minute sex scene that happens. <laughs> if everybody remembers that, that's in the show. That's definitely in this episode. Um, that Luthen comes in, fucking Karn and and Bulldog fuckface take the bus in yeah that was and they swap hats like that's their super secret fucking disguise like i i did not understand that whatever i got swap hats <laughs> <laughs> they just disappeared right yeah, like we're right. in camouflage uh they're 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 watching like you said there's a bunch of the uh imperial uh uh, uh and spot what have you they're there wh- who was the dude who was ratting Cass out. What was his name again? The one who was essentially giving away Cass's little secret spot where he was watching the funeral. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember what part of the show he was from, or why he was ratting Cass out. But even he, uh, you know, was there and eventually started looking sad for what he had done. But everybody's it, the the whole buildup is to Marva's 
funeral mm-hmm. procession, right? Uh, right. The ISB is waiting to see Cass. Luthen's waiting to f- uh, find Cass and kill him. Vel's there waiting to try to find Cass and kill him. Sinta's working with them, essentially. Mm-hmm. Everybody's there waiting to find Cass. And everybody's assuming Cass is going to be at the actual funeral. But... Yeah, not a good assumption. But yeah. they're, they're there waiting either way. So Luthen, Vel, Sinta, they're all waiting for him so they could kill him. And the Mira is taking steps. She's like, don't put sharpshooters up there. She's like, I want this guy alive. So she's compromising, you know, the mission a little bit. So that way they can get... uh, She was just pissed uh, about them killing everybody in whatever firefight. Oh, that Sh- ambush. Yeah, that mm-hmm. ambush that they let happen, that Luthen knew about, and he let happen that they killed everybody, so they couldn't question everybody. anybody. I was hoping we would see some of that. but I um, was, too. I thought for sure that was going to be some, some kind of action scene. For, yeah. the, for the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would have been cool and all, because like again, you bring in Saw Guerrera, and you just want this guy to go um, ballistic. On, uh, you don't want to just see him have a conversation with Luthen. You want to see action something happened with him yeah yeah yeah. you want to see why he needs to walk around with the respirator later on yeah or why why he's he's, missing a foot yeah or why he's labeled an extremist yeah in the rebel alliance right you want to go like full brad pitt and uh what was it legends of the fall where he's like (laughs) fucking scalping (laughs) (laughs) when i I see him with that respirator i just think of mad max uh immortal joe immortal joe (laughs) yeah 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 the Gangs, whatever uh, pronunciation they have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting reference. But I think it's more of a Darth Vader reference because you see him pull out the mask. Yeah, but I still think Mad Max because he looks good, dirty and old and gross. So, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so all the players are in place. So you, yeah, like you said, you saw Karn, the Bulldog Sergeant, Sergeant Mosk, then Mira. Um, she shows up on the uh, Imperial shuttle. Luthen Andor sneaks on somehow. You don't see how he gets there. Well, you Luthen. do get to watch him touching the brick. Of of old adopted dad, yeah. The, the heartstrings tugged there. Yeah, that was an interesting shot up top too, because um, of course it's raining. You can't they, be sad unless there's rain. They mention um, it's a, it's again a brief shot. It was in a couple episodes ago. Uh, they show it's back on Ferrix. It's Marva talking to him, I think, mm-hmm. and it's a flashback, and you see troops on the ground on Ferrix. And then somebody throws a brick at one of them or throws something. It hits one of them in the back of the helmet. And then it they sounds all turn very ferrix like throw a brick. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they all turn around and it turns out they're clone troopers. And I forget if they were Gen 1 or Gen 2. Like the, you could tell by the helmet. Oh. I think they were. I don't think anybody but you is going to be able to, yeah. at least uh, at this table, is going to be able to tell. Um, come on, brain. What do you got? Um, I. I don't remember. It's okay. Nobody's going to be upset. But yeah, you see you see clone troopers, which is uh, kind of interesting because now there are, in that episode, which I know we're fucking up the order of how we're talking about this podcast. Is what but, it is. But yeah, they, um, he gets, bottom line, he gets killed by clone troopers because they're like, hey, we don't want you guys here. And they're like, relax. We're they good they guys. fridge him for some of the motivation of Cass's like hatred. Oh for, yeah, that's right. Or the empire. Dead, frozen or, or no, he, they lynch him and then he's, they leave his body out so people could see it. And then, yeah, it's covered in ice, which was a kind of fucked up shot for it's, um It's Star early motivation for Cass, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, yeah. For just his hatred of authority in general. But yeah, everybody's, everybody's in place now. Um, and Cass's real goal is 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 just to save Bix. Mm-hmm. He's not going to the funeral. Bra- he he meets up with Brasso in, in the sewer, essentially where he's kind of hiding out, waiting for his, his opportunity the day of the funeral. Uh, Brasso is going to take care of uh, the fucking weird-ass custom of the brick 
where you incinerate the body and mix it with the clay and fucking make a brick. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's it's very metal. <laughs> you go in this fucking wall, we make you a brick. Uh, I mean, whatever. Um, so he's going to take care of that. And it really, like the whole goal with Cass here is just to save Bix, right? Yeah. Save Bix. He knows, uh, which you find out, you know, at the end of the episode here that Luthen's going to be there. And, you know, we can talk about that scene in a minute here, sure. Uh, uh, where he's going to end up talking to, to, to Luthen too. But like his main goal is just to save Bix. Like he, you mm -hmm. can tell he feels a lot of guilt for not being back to, to see Marva because he said he was, and he's talking about that and he gets a nice little heartfelt, uh, 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 essential response to that from Brasso, who's who's the one saying like, "Oh, she knew that you were going to say all this, that it's your fault, and you should have showed up." But she said, "I, I and I know, and I wrote it down. Uh, what was it? That he'll be the, an unstoppable force for good, essentially." Once he starts to uh, to combine like his his feelings and his his ability there, and and truly start to feel this, essentially the same way that she felt about mm -hmm. the Empire, right? Where you need to fight back, not just try to avoid and escape or whatever. Use the skills, and that's kind of how it. It goes here with Luthen that he, it seems like he's kind of finally coming to that point where he wants to be a part of some sort of change against the Empire. That's why he's ready to Andor, just yeah yeah Andor to, to, yeah to just go and, and, and meet with Luthen Luthen and you know take his fate as it may be. Right after that too, um, we looked this. Or he was also listening to Nemec, um, his co-conspirator, the the tech guy. Yeah. For, um, the the, the idealistic one from the the, the manifesto yes yeah, yeah from the heist off he was listening to the manifesto and he's like listen he's like the empire doesn't know that there are battalions upon battalions uh you know just waiting to take them on it's like all you need is you know the motivation and he's like by its very nature he's like oppression is you know requires constant vigilance he's like which is just impossible to keep up it's like it's unnatural yeah. so you know uh, that's why the most extreme totalitarianisms fall apart is because that only lasts for so long. Yeah. So, and yeah, then uh, I think shortly thereafter that is when they mentioned that uh, Krieger has just been slaughtered, all of all of their men. They really don't mention how, I mean, Saw Guerrero was supposed to be there. And this is where we were, I was kind of hoping there was going to be a, uh, a big uh, uh, action set piece, but they saved it for later. And I... I like what they did, but still. Uh, there's going to be a season two. I thought this would be an actual conclusion, but there's going to be a season two. Yeah, that's going to be kind of interesting. Final season from what Tyler was saying when he looked it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Which is good. I don't think that I'd want to see a season three. Yeah. I feel like a season two is almost going to be a stretch if it's 12 episodes like this was 12 episodes. Unless they've got a whole bunch of original content. Like, I, I guess I shouldn't be shitting on it before I see it because they did such a good job with this season. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm struggling to see where they're going to get 12 episodes out of a second season. And they've already developed Andor's character so much in the season yeah. to where he is in Rogue One. It's like, where do you go from? Where's the arc? Yeah, because then you end up with what happened in Obi-Wan where you already know the beginning and, and part of the middle. And that's what mm -hmm. can you add to that? Yeah. Right. Well, Obi-Wan, um, I was just watching the Nostalgia Critics video about uh, Obi-Wan, and I, I think I remember watching it uh, a while ago because he, re he released the video in December. He's like, yeah, people loved it. People hated it. Some people were kind of meh about it. And he's like, yeah, this was bad. Absolutely bad. Anybody who loved it should he's be like, taken out and shot. He's like, here's part of the problem. He's like, it was supposed to be a movie. And then they said, you know what? Let's stretch it out into a TV show. And I guess the same person that directed... Let's get 12-year-olds to write um, it, stretch it out for eight episodes, yeah. uh, and then take a shit on that. They used the same director that directed Mandalorian in some in some episodes. Nothing John was going to save that. Few, that guy must have been asleep then. Yeah, but, fucking high at the wheel. But they they said he said that was kind of unusual that the same person directs every episode of a TV show versus you know having multiple people 
because um, I think multiple people directed this show too. Well, that's um, fine for directing. It's the writing that was the core problem. The, the writing the, is what steers the, the whole acting thing. Too. The acting. Well, there was, was only so much you can do with the fucking uh, 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 presence of an actor or a character when the writing's dog shit. Mm-hmm. Right, it sounds yeah. like fucking fan fiction from a high schooler. Yeah. Well. <sighs> It, it, we all know it was bad. Yeah, we're we like, don't have to shit out anymore. We know it's bad. Yeah. We did a whole six even episodes you, yeah, about even that. Even if you consolidated all of that into a movie, <laughs> it still would have been bad. The stakes were incredibly low and nothing happened. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Even the stuff that you really wanted to see, like a fight scene between Vader and Obi-Wan, was deflating. It, it wasn't anything special or fantastic. Yeah. It was stupid. Like Vader gets stopped by a, 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 a bit of fire that's the size of this table. Like, oh, I can't stop him now, but I could throw like a boulder at him a second ago. Or tear a starship apart. That's uh, exactly. I can't away. just force grab his ass and bring him over the fire if I'm too scared. Of, uh, yeah. Anyways, anyways, I could shit on that all day. We so already back did. to cast. <laughs> yes. We, back- are, we did six episodes about it. That was too much fun to crap on that. Yeah, oh. Sometimes for 90 minutes at a time. We would, so we bad. Would rip that show a new asshole. But Cass is going to save Bix. Everybody's there. And the best part of the episode was the rousing funeral speech by Marva. She yeah. really has this heartfelt, and you feel it with the the music. Great choice with the music in the background, yeah. and her character, that that actress playing that role so well. You feel it, this sense as a the camera cuts to different different uh, uh, scenes there where it's showing the faces of some of the characters, you know, all the side characters and, you know, mm-hmm. little Timmy, the terrorist, that's what I'm going to call him, uh, that, uh, that has this bomb ready, like tears are welling up in his yeah. eyes. Like, you know, everybody's there and they're feeling exactly what Marva's saying. And But she's the one that she's so well respected in that community. And it, it kind of takes in that moment and her, her spirit, Speaking what all of them are feeling, articulating what they're all feeling in the moment, and how that you know they didn't they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't kind of, mm-hmm. as she describes it, they were sleeping. Yeah. You know, the Empire comes. We we repaired their engines, their ships. They came here. We kept the trade lanes open, but they left. And because it was out of sight, out of mind, they never did anything with it. Mm-hmm. But now, now that they're being heavily oppressed, it, you can't look past it anymore. Yeah. E- even with the the horrible things that have happened, like her her you know husband, the adopted father of, of of Cass, there, him getting killed by stormtroopers, even that was a horrible thing to make you hate the Empire. But still, it's not like she went out doing anything rebellious, really beyond that, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they all and and it's great writing and saying that they were sleeping because they didn't do anything, right? Yeah. Like it's that isolationist kind of mentality that when you know powerful countries and democracies, uh, for for example, are isolationist, they, that's where you allow terrible things to foster and and how she describes the empire you know it grows in darkness right like it's the it's an evil mushroom uh it, it's 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 perfect <laughs> nice. spot on you know description of the situation and really inspires them it was such a great speech she's yeah. such a great actress I, f- I forget her name do you remember good monologue um so good so good and, and having b be the one that's doing the the projection, the projection of it yeah Oh my God. And this is all being flanked. Like you feel the, the tense nature of it and uh, of the whole situation. It's all flanked by a bunch of dudes in black for the empire. They're like security workers with riot shields and fucking metal mallets and shit that beat the hell out of the crowd. Like it's a lot of, uh, it's high stakes for the whole crowd and the whole damn city's on show. They're all there. Fiona Shaw. That's the actress. You're the shit Fiona Shaw. (laughs) Yes. Well done. Yeah, she was she was a great character. Um, they show her early. Um, she's the one. Her and her husband, the you know junk traders, such take presence. Cassian in early. So, 
they either saw something in him or they just took it upon themselves to do the right thing. Because She did. He didn't necessarily want to at first. And mm-hmm. then obviously came around to that and yeah. presumably was a good father figure because Cass, you know, is there at his brick, <laughs> his brick in the wall, um, you know, touching it and having a flashback for him, right? It's just so much presence in the moment. You get the, the, the you know, tug at the heartstrings moments and it feels sincere. It's not mm-hmm. campy or whatever. Like you really feel for the characters because they feel genuine. Yeah. They just feel like real lived in worlds, genuine people, r- true motivations with real consequences for this fantastical yeah. setting of, you know, space Western. And I just would also... with the, the speech itself, just it didn't start off purely inflammatory. It built up to it. Mm-hmm. And yes. Within the context of what was going on at the funeral with the, the riot uh, stormtroopers being there, yeah. that if she immediately went to being like, screw the empire, fight these guys, it would have been stopped and they wouldn't have been motivated. But she slowly mm-hmm. articulated her point arguing like she was complacent in the moment they all were and now they're paying the price but they have to do something about it now it right. it, it really had emotional buildup yeah even just in the what was it like maybe five minutes long was that scene of, of her like whole or less of her uh hologram off of b doing that across which was such a cool way to do it right like yeah everybody circled around this hologram like that was such a great way to do it cinematically it was gorgeous mm-hmm. again the visuals Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was such, like you're saying, so much emotional buildup. Like you felt it. You felt the tension. Your your heart is racing a little bit. Like it's going to fucking happen. And there's mm-hmm. and it's going to happen right there. There's already fucking riot police out there. You know, the consequences are, are real. You've got it, sad music playing. Um, the <laughs> there's a lot of brass. The band yeah. is playing it. Yeah. A lot of... Uh... <laughs> It's more sad um, than the brass section. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they did a good job with it. Everybody's got their little, you know, uniform on, sort of. So it's kind of quasi-militaristic that they're dressed in these uniforms, which are really just dress uniforms for this social club, the Daughters of Ferrix or whatnot. Yeah. Um, we see some their... death troopers that are just as shitty as stormtroopers. I was just yeah. going to point that out. Yeah, we saw the death troopers with their, you know, supposedly heavier blaster. But yeah, it doesn't. No, really... there are heavier blasters in this episode. Motherfuckers are flying around. But when they show people getting shot with the normal blaster, like the guy that jumps on the back of the stormtrooper yeah. and then gets shot off, he gets thrown. He is catapulted yeah. off, you know? It's yeah. not like somebody gets shot with a blaster in a regular Star Wars well, scene well, and when they just get fall shot over. With the, with the death trooper rifle, whatever that is, yeah, they just go flying across but this was a regular stormtrooper that shoots him in the back from up top uh in an angled eagle eye view (laughs) and he just goes flying the fuck off so it wasn't even the guy that was operating the the cannon that i would have understood the cannon goes boom boom real quick right because timmy the terrorist (laughs) throws a bomb and that's uh, that's fun um you you even see this little fucking kid soldering this shit together it's very like uh, that was the whole opening yeah yeah Uh, watch little timmy you know put together his his circuit board his his first Suicide mission. Um, yeah, I thought that was clever. That it was, was kind of a really cool. I was like, oh, okay. Obviously, he's assembling it, a bomb. It's so weird to have sympathy for a child soldier and feel like they're they're being righteous in the moment, right? Because that's what he is. He's a child soldier. This is you know Uganda version fucking kid with a pistol or an AK in his hand that's malnourished. And I mean, it's it's fucked up. It's a wild thing to have sympathy for for mm-hmm. somebody like that or empathy for somebody like that, right? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it uh, definitely some uh, interesting emotions there you're yeah. feeling, huh? Yeah. I mean, and that's good. That's what good writing is, right? Where you yes. have a real emotional connection to what the the characters are going through, right? It's all projection, it's all fantasy. But when you can really get engrossed and it feels like a real person, a real situation, again, real consequences, you can relate to that. And how would you react to that? And give it to the parallels because there's so much of this show. I feel you can tie back to 
right now. Mm -hmm. You can tie it back to any given government and oppression in its generalities, whether you're talking the United States or any like totalitarian regime, China, you know, North Korea, whatever. Like you can tie parallels back to the real world. How sure. would you react in this situation if you were in this kind of level of oppression? How would what would you do? What is your freedom and and not living in fear worth to you? Like there's such real feelings in this where you can connect to it. It, it doesn't feel just like it's a space western, you know, and it's just a, a good not, visual time. Yeah, like, not this time around. Not at all. You're really invested in these characters. It feels like something that you could experience, yeah. just the non-sci-fi version of it, in your own life. Yeah, and it's probably because all the characters are grounded in some sort of reality compared to other characters in Star Wars where they have, you know, magic powers. Yeah. Sure. Or they don't operate in the same, like, laws. There's some as, sort of trope, like yeah. the typical, uh, I guess maybe you couldn't say it too much back in the, the OG days, the Harrison Ford, uh, where he's he just comes off as the typical, I'm the lovable, charismatic space rogue. Like, lovable it's, rogue, yeah. Yeah, it's just a, a two-dimensional feeling character. There's not any depth to it. Uh, these characters go through real conflict. Like, look at it. It takes this whole season for Andor to finally, even all the horrible things that have happened for him to stop being selfishly motivated in the sense of, I just want to survive and get through and do whatever I have to yeah. do. Like, he's still a cutthroat person. He kills people in the first episode because mm -hmm. he doesn't want to get caught, right? Like, he'll do whatever he's got to do. Um, and that's a real world thing. Having this whitewashed, like, uh, who shot, Gr Greedo shot first bullshit of, you know, old Star Wars. Like, it, this feels real. They wrote this right. Real. Right, it's, right. I, I love it. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. They did a fantastic job. The only thing, um, like, this was a good climax for the show. A little less, compared to what they did in the previous episode where you have uh, Luthen escaping on his ship. And Badass we, we, scene. Yeah, we rewatched that before we got here. I thought the stakes in this one were a little low. And, again... Everybody they, could have died. Anybody could have died this episode. How they, were the stakes low? Well, Anybody could have gotten shot. When the riot di breaks out... Nobody died. No, um, uh, and then... Well, unimportant characters that did stuff on Ferrix for, you know, main characters, they died. Also, my prediction didn't come true about Karn, where uh, he's going to be like, hey, I'm here. Um, and he was going to... I was potentially try to capture. Uh, okay. <laughs> capture. You thought he was going to go full stalker I was, and just fucking I was hoping, lock her in a basement? I was hoping he would die, number one. Oh, so again, was I. Why is he in this fucking show still? But I get it. He's obsessed, you know. Second best part of this episode, he right loves there. The authority. Um, Karn saves. In love with Daedra. And uh, yeah, or Miro and uh, Daedra. Call her Daedra. I can't remember that fucking first name. That's and, how everybody refers to her as anyways. Yeah, he's there. And what is it? He sees the kid throw the bomb or whatever. And then he just starts running. What does he start running towards? He's he starts like, running towards Daedra. Yeah. Sybil starts running towards Daedra. Karn is obsessed. He's like watching her out of the corner of his eye and he's almost tearing up when he sees her. <laughs> like he's he's obsessed there with being is. involved in her life in some way or form. Like she's the personification of everything that he wants to be and that he thinks is right. Like she is truly that personification. Yes, he monster. is obsessed with her. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. And of course he gets to be her, her white knight. As she has like, so she gets tumbled in the whole riot, yeah. right? She gets tumbled down to the ground. People or like you know fucking kicking her or whatever she drops her little pistol or whatever and he comes charging to save the day 
uh, gets his little white knight moment, you know, pulls her away with a, a gun to her back, making her think that she's being taken off because he's dressed in, you know, regular clothes. So nobody gives him shit. Yeah. He's grabbing that somebody that looks like they're an empire person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. takes her to this back room. And he's like, oh, it's me, baby. And she puts whatever blade to his throat. And she's having like a full on panic attack. Yeah. She cannot stop hyperventilating as he's standing there. And he's just got the well, biggest fucking <laughs> chode going on down there. Yeah. Like, I saved you. Well, I mean, like I was telling you before, what's worse, being stuck in a, a mob area or or what Luca described or, or with your number one stock <laughs> <laughs> being brought down to the basement yeah yeah it's, i don't know it looked like she was ready to 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 like fucking kiss him like i this is clearly going to be the romance that i i want to see happen because i want to see them have their like super dom uh relationship <laughs> where she's just like pegging him because that's absolutely what it's going to be and then i want them to die there needs to be like a 10 minute like 50 shades of gray dom scene with them and then they both die and i'm good so uh, what will be kind of forward to season over. two? <laughs> <laughs> season two. Uh, if you're, I know you're shooting it right now, but come on now, take these notes. Well, we kind we we kind of talked about this briefly, but uh, after the uh, Mon Mothma is bitching out her husband over you know his gambling debts, we see the her, the driver spilling his guts to the ISB supervisor, the the one of the rivals of yeah. Uh, the, the dude that of, we were saying took Mira. a hook, line, and sinker, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So th- he's like, huh, that would explain all this, uh, you know, weird funds moving around and this audit that we're going to perform or this audit we did perform on them because mm-hmm. it sounds like it went down. So now they've got the red herring kind of throwing off the scent, uh, so to speak. But then you see the other ISB guy. Uh, he's another... I don't think he has a name, but he was one of the bald dudes. Um, he's like, hey... Uh, and you hear like people clapping in the background and it's they're like hey you could close the file on krieger he's like it's over he's dead um, you're missing got him. is what he tells them because they're yeah, all celebrating the, yeah the yeah killing of, um, of them right so they uh you see how oh and then he has the line sorry i, I just i lost my train of thought for a second and i was gonna say somebody <laughs> else talk but then i i remembered why i brought this up <laughs> the reason i brought it up is because you see the bald guy talking uh you know, he walks him over to the chamber, the council chamber or whatever. And he's like, there it is. He's like, look at the battle map. He's like, complete, you know, f- what do they call it in Rome Total War or your game where it's a not a flawless victory, where it's an overwhelming. Mortal combat, Flawless no, victory. No, no. Like in Rome Total War, what do they call it when you have like an over, when you have. Decisive victory. Decisive victory. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I knew. I love that he had to quote a, a video game for me to get that word. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they just call it something. Phenomenal right? game. Yeah, uh, this because episode you could call is brought it a, to you by Rome Total War. No, The it's original not. We, game. We do not have any sponsors. It's, it's by the, it. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> decisive victory. So they're like, look, they show like the radar or the battle map or whatever. They're like, decisive victory. It's like minimal casualties on our part, if any. Um, Is that what that map said? I couldn't read it. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't pay enough attention. I didn't get that either. It's just like a bunch of circles. That's all I, yeah, right? It looked like red blipping circles. And to I, me, that didn't mean like all clear. So I, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> um, it wasn't, I don't know. They show it very briefly, but yeah, you've got the main, uh, the main guy, uh, something Padraz or Partagas. Partagas, that, yes, the dude that fucking sounds like a, an illness. Yeah, he's the other Game of Thrones actor in the show. But anyway, so uh, the two guys walk over. They're like, "Yeah, Krieger, cl- shut the file. Come on in. Come on in. We're all celebrating about it." And then there's also the spy, the um, uh, what's his name, Lonnie, the the, the ginger. Mole. Yeah, the mole. <laughs> That's the eyes. Mole, 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 mole. <laughs> 
Um, is that an Austin Powers reference? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Gold member, the third one. Yeah, the, but, maybe um, the least <laughs> of the, the trilogy. Continue. I'm sorry. Uh, so they show the two ISB guys, the original one that was in charge of Ferrex, and then the, the, the bald dude, and he's like, check it out. And he's like, He's like, uh, guess who's uh, complaining about it? And he's like, it was Mira, because they're talking. He's like, Partagaz is calming her down right now because, you know. So he already warned her up top. He's like, hey, watch your back. He's like, you're, he's like, you know, you'll earn yourself no friends by uh, doing what you're doing, trying to be the, um, the eager beaver and so on and so forth. By doing well, because that whole group of fucking morons, that's where I didn't know if I felt like that scene felt truly sincere to the characters or not, mm -hmm. because they're all celebrating the massacre of a group when all they do is try to capture people, torture them for information and then kill them. They're not in the like, just shoot first gung ho. Wow. Like, I mean, they, they, they are intrigue. They are mm. find out information. So when they just gun everybody down, it doesn't feel like what the intelligence bureau would do when they're trying to find out information on somebody. Well, he also told her why they did what they did. And he's like, he's like, look, he's like, you, you got to wash this. Wash, wash the this taste bed. out of the emperor's mouth. Yeah, yeah. He's like. Of Aldani. Yeah. There's a serious fuck up. So. Wasn't there something else, though? They had, they had gotten the information to ambush this guy. And they had decided that this was the best option for how everything plays out with yes. the, the rebels. But they never said that they were going to just like just kill everybody. Him, yeah. Like, I mean, and take no prisoners to question. They never said specifically that, which that just seems like the dumb thing to do, especially for this group. And and maybe that's where it's like uh, Daedra is, is being praised for being the first of her type in the ISB in some of the earlier episodes by Partagast because mm -hmm. she's one that's actually seeing the intrigue another level lower. And she's, she's not just taking like, uh, uh I, we can't remember his name. The, the guy who's being brought into the room at that point that you were just referencing the first guy who was watching uh, over Ferrix, um, that dude, that ISB agent, like there, she's not just taking the surface level of it and being like, all right, get rid of that. Right. Like yeah. she's going steps beyond and she's very much captivated. Lieutenant by, supervisor Blevin. Is sure. Blevin. Um, she's much more captivated by the necessity in her mind of rooting out every single yeah. cockroach, right? Like finding the nest, not taking, treating the symptom at its, at its surface level, but really digging in there. And if that's, maybe that's where I, I, I go back and forth feeling like that scene either was sincere or wasn't sincere because it doesn't feel like that. But I guess it could be if or, they all sucked. Or maybe it just plays into, uh, what's the manifesto's guy, Namek? Is that his name? Namek? Namek, yeah. yeah. The kid. Uh, where he says that you have to be vigilant the entire time to have a totalitarian state. And maybe this is, they're showing the crumblings of that totalitarian state. And Deidre is really the only one that actually is the embodiment of that. Uh, of that sense of having to have that kind of st like stoic vigilance with, yeah. with oppression. Or being borderline neurotic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you have to be, right? Yeah. That kind of like stoic vigilance to oppression this takes is, a certain mind. This is the guy, Supervisor Legret. Um Okay. That's the guy that's, uh, uh, he's on the council there too. And he's the one who's like, hey, close down the file. This whatnot. episode is brought to you by Supervisor Legat. <laughs> <laughs> they all have a lot of characters. Like a lot of characters. 200 cast members. Um, I mean, total. and this episode's got everybody who's alive in it, right? Yeah. Like they bring the whole damn cast back. They should have taken a bow at the end. There were so many fucking people. <laughs> well, either way, um, you got any other thoughts, Tyler? What do you want to say? We got to give yo. Give us your rating. Sorry, that's oh, what I should say. Are we, 
Are we doing it in lightsabers or are we doing ferrex bricks? <laughs> ferrex bricks. bricks. Can we throw get a brick sound? Speaking, <laughs> speaking, speaking of bricks, uh, right as the melee starts, you see Brasso, the big guy, as they refer to him, pick up the brick and whack somebody with it. Yeah. So, so Marva gets her gets her licks in in the end. But anyway, and the, and, and the brick didn't break. Yeah, it didn't break. Showing the resiliency. I of, guess so. That's one strong yeah, fucking brick. Yeah. So we'll let you go first. Tell us, uh, sum, it, sum it all up. I guess you could give us your thoughts about the whole series and yeah. then you could give us uh, yeah. your your so how as many far as the the series i mean i thought it was great so mm-hmm. it kind of has like these three or four episode arcs where yeah. it kind of yes. climaxes and then it builds up to the next thing next thing yeah and it seems like with these 12 episodes they've done more stuff than i've seen in like most tv as far as like events happening and character development agree like, you feel like most characters in the show had some sort of development and they were real. Yeah. Um, and a conclusion. Yeah. And like normally my notes about these episodes are like filled with like plot holes and like random <laughs> contrivances. Yeah. And really yes. the only thing I can find was somehow Andor sees Luthen mm-hmm. like through his little binoculars. Like he just somehow picks him out from the crowd. But other than yeah, that. Yeah, so he knows he's there. Yeah. yeah. It was forced writing in that yeah. moment. How else were you going to be able to? Yeah. 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 Sure. So, I'll say four uh, bricks out of five. <laughs> four bricks out of five. Yeah. Okay. Thump, 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 thump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, you needed an extra press there. Okay. There, there you go. Four bricks out of five. Um, we'll sub in four lightsabers out of five. Okay. Um, and overall, yeah, really great show, yeah. which, again, the bar was set so low for a live-action Star Wars TV show. Um, but sure. this, this still manages to knock it out of the park with everything yeah. that they've done. Um, yeah, there are some weird things, like you say, um, like the money they stole. They never mention it ever again after it's been stolen. So you've got a plot hole there. And then the only person's money that they talk about is the money that Mon Mothma's moved around. And it's like, isn't that different money? Like, shouldn't they be Contrast that to little Leia in her taking a shit in her pants, power slide, <laughs> running away from grown-ass men from fucking Obi-Wan. Also, Mon Mothma's daughter, her name is Leda. So Leda. you've uh. got a Clea, and then you've got a Leda, and uh, yeah, they they ran out of names. I get angry every time I think of that little fucking kid Leia doing her <laughs> little power slide bullshit. As she's running, looking like she has got a full diaper full of shit in her pants. Just that like weird toddler run, yeah. right? Like mm. kind of waddling. Yes, that waddles, that waddle run that, you know, a, a grown ass man could outwalk. So yet she get anyways. Um, give us your succinct thoughts. Um, how many lightsabers you could get? You could kind of tell us in totality. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to speak the whole show uh, oh. because, I mean, this episode is is. Is, yeah, you've been the most vocal by far. Well, that's because it's a, it's a phenomenal seen. show. Like like Tyler just said, they did a great job in having this be episodic in ways to mm-hmm. where there's little. It's it, you don't watch twelve episodes waiting for a conclusion, right? It's not a uh, four episodes of Act One, four episodes of Act Two, four episodes of Act Three. It's little Act One, Two, and Three, and mm-hmm. one, two, three episodes, one, two, three episode, one, two, three, four episode, and, and the last bit of it, right? Like it plays out so enjoyably where there's a, a a total arc for everybody 
cast most importantly. And there's little arcs and conclusions for all the side characters. If anybody dies, they had some sort of arc to begin with. You had a reason to be invested in them to where when they die, it has some sort of weight. Even little terrorist Timmy, you felt some weight to it because you could understand being a self-righteous kid in the moment and being living under oppression and watching this important well, and person also, from your community die and, and feeling inspired by that. His father, They took his father away. He's in jail. Yeah. And I don't know if they... I don't know if they killed him or what, but they gave him the same, you know, uh, torture scream listening session that they did to Bix. Every every character feels sincere. They feel real. They have real life consequences that you can relate to. This is a five out of five for me. Easy. Uh, this is the best Star Wars shit. This is, uh, I like Mandalorian better because yeah. I'm your typical smooth brain dumb fuck that likes me like shiny action. So it's it's a little bit more fun to watch. But if you want to watch character development and, and a very plot driven kind of thing in the Star Wars universe, it doesn't get better than this. Yeah. Um, it really doesn't. I'm reminded uh, whether this was a uh, object the observation that you made here, how like every episode kind of has like every three or four episodes or whatever, kind of have like their beginning, middle and end arc mm -hmm. or whatever. They, um, there's a, a YouTube channel out there called screen crush. And he kind of does spoiler reviews of, um, of, uh, he does a lot of good stuff. The Ryan Erie, uh, shout out to Ryan Erie. Um, this episode is at, brought to you by screen crush. No, it's Ryan no, Erie. It's not, <laughs> Um, but if you're not familiar with that YouTube channel, go check it out because For sure. he breaks down everything. Um, they, he has he did, a bunch he, of other good, uh, episodes and other stuff. He too. did it for, uh, he did it for Obi-Wan. He did it for this. He's done it for Hulk or She-Hulk attorney at law. So it's, <laughs> it's a great, great. <laughs> yeah. She-Hulk, Allie McBeal. Great YouTube channel. But anyway, uh, so he points out little objects and spoilers in the background, uh, or not spoilers, but just references, Easter eggs, um, Easter eggs yeah. yeah, which is kind of cool. So um, I think for, and I don't know if this was his channel or if there was another channel out there that said the same thing, because in Obi-Wan, people pointed out, they're like, oh, it's kind of, there's six episodes. They're like, something that happens in episode one, the prequel, is also something that happens in episode one of the series Obi-Wan, and then something that happens in episode two. There's kind of similar beats along the way, mm -hmm. so um, I... I I can't remember mm. for the life of me. What yeah, because it was so bad you didn't care to notice. Exactly. Um, I was like, exactly. I was like, oh, clever. Okay, so maybe like episode five of uh, the Obi Wan show when they recapture Leia back from the the Inquisitor base, they have the air speeders in episode five of which is uh, Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. You have the air speeders again. That's their first on screen appearance. So it's like. Oh, okay. Little little nod to it like that. It wasn't super, super obvious. But either way, so I was like, oh, interesting. So how do you rate this series? So for me, again, this, the series was phenomenal um, as a whole, in totality. Um, there were storylines that, that you've heard me talk about Mon Mothma's storyline and how I say it's the weakest link. And now that you've talked um, through it, I, I, I would definitely agree. It's definitely the weakest yeah, link. Yeah, it's still, overall, the series gets five lightsabers. Um, just because, again, the... It's a great show. Even if even if you didn't have Obi-Wan to compare it to, this would still be a great show uh, on its own. Absolutely. For the acting, for the writing, um, everybody's really giving it their all. Um, I like the fact that there's a lot of Game of Thrones actors in it. Did, mm -hmm. uh, did you notice who? Yeah. Um, so the major Partagas guy is the evil wizard. I think we talked about this. The necromancer. The necromancer. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, that brings back, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Hound's brother. Yeah, yeah, the mountain. Yeah. 
Um, or is it his, is the mountain his brother? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Um, the mountain and the hound. Um, sounds like a Disney he movie. He burns his face because he steals, uh, he burns the hound's face, remember, because he steals his toy when they're a kid. Like the mountain was just a cruel, vicious person his whole life. Remember all uh, and that? That's, and that's why he was afraid of fire yeah. um, his life, his whole life. But uh, so you've got him, um, or you've got the, the wizard guy, or the, the maester. Then, Again, uh, the Vel. necromancer. Yeah, did you know Vel was in uh, Game of Thrones? Vel. The actress, the blonde one. What was she in Game of Thrones? So, so she was in one of the middle seasons where uh, Arya is blind and she's being trained by the Valo Margulis oh, guy or whatever. She was the, the sweet, mean... Sweet girl. Yeah, the one that keeps chasing her down and beating the shit out of her. Um, just a bully. Yeah, yeah. So that actress was in the show too. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I think that was... I forget who mentioned that. It was probably that screen crush Ryan Erie guy again. Um, so big ups to them. But, uh, yeah, overall, phenomenal show. Um, and, again, they – it's little – well, maybe these are little things to us, but to for them to shoot, you know, on location where uh, some of the stuff was shot in London. Like, we didn't uh, talk enough about that kind of on location and set building and all that. Well, I mean, we, we just kept the saying research. the visual is great, but, like, it, it really – they did such a good – they went – above and beyond almost in so many different aspects. The cinematography was phenomenal, building all those sets, the the lack of this constant oppressive CG, mm-hmm. you know, it and and of course again the writing. Like if there was CG, they also had like um layered a, with real world shit. When uh back on Coruscant after the heist, um there's a shot where Le- uh, Clea is meeting with um with Vel and there's an over, there's a top-down shot of her walking along some buildings. That building really existed. Um, they just CG'd, you know, in London somewhere. And the they background just CG- of Coruscant? Yeah, they just CG'd the background oh, of Coruscant right. to give it a little more brutalist architecture than it already had. Um, but yeah, it's it's real. They're like, oh yeah, well, it's easy to act in these areas because you're really there and you're really feeling oppressed um, and that you have to move in the shadows and be kind of clandestine in everything that you do. Um, and I'm sure Definitely. like every, every time I write the, the show notes that before I post, I, I, this is the scrolling text that you see in the YouTube channel, which by the way, follow us on YouTube. Um, I, this um, episode is brought to you by Google's YouTube, <laughs> Just YouTube in general. It will be brought to it, um, because they'll host it for us, but yeah, great show overall. And I'm really looking forward to series two, Tyler, you Same. looked it up and you saw that they're, uh, they're it's filming. filming, yeah. Currently filming it right now, so it'll probably have, what, 2024, 2025 release, yeah. maybe. So um, are we doing Mando next? Well, Mando... <laughs> Season three. The show must go on. The Man- show must go on. We're jumping right into Mandalorian after this, uh, I guess, next week, because next yeah. Thursday is when it uh, debuts. March 1st. Yeah. Mike, Mike, uh, our other co-host, Mike, couldn't be here today because um, a piece of shit's in California. He'll definitely but, be uh, here for, uh, for the Mando. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um... Because he's... No call-ins. It's not the same. you got to be in person. None of this call-in <laughs> bullshit. It's not the same dynamic. That's half the fun of this. Yeah, well, um, that's all we got to say for now. So um, stay tuned for Mando. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, we were supposed to be playing um, this music the entire time. We were, we were wrapping up. Um, make sure you look up uh, Star at Follow us on Twitter at SW Rewatch Pod on Twitter if you still use that. Um, send us an email at Star Wars Rewatch Podcast at Gmail. 
Um, and you can, um, uh, what else? You can do stuff. You can write us letters. Search, search you can send the, it to our P.O. box. Search the YouTube channel. There's one YouTube video that's up right now. I haven't, I, we've filmed a few more things and we're, we're, I'm working. We were working. Yeah. Um, I'm working on getting the video out there. I'm the talent. Um, <laughs> I had to teach myself how to use DaVinci Resolve or how to use Caden Live so that way we can you know, You're learning. process the video. You're doing a good job. Yeah, well, You're it's learning. a fucking pain in the ass because either the blog posts I write are too long, so part of the dialogue, whatever I write, gets cut off, so I make the opening scroll... And you're supposed to be able to read all of it, and you cannot. Yeah, we, it's um, not like been the case yet. Succinct. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I sh- maybe I shouldn't type a four thousand word show notes. Um, Say like more with less. Yeah, like it's fucking homework. I, um, <laughs> don't you love advice that's like it sounds great? It's so much like easier said than done. Uh, Say more with less. Yeah. <laughs> why didn't I think to write better? Uh, well, so like you sh- so we're recording on Sunday right now. It's Sunday the twenty seventh. Yeah, sixth, sixth or seventh, something like that. Um, yeah, six. It's 26th. the twenty sixth. Yeah, so we're recording on Sunday. Usually I type the, the show notes on Monday, and then I edit the audio and whatnot. If I'm feeling particularly jaunty, I'll do it tonight. I probably won't, but uh, because I don't care to. But uh, That's okay. You just moved into a, a new place. You got a lot we're, going and on. We're, we're doing this for fun, and anytime exactly. I feel like I'm doing work to do something that I did It's a hobby. Earlier, Nobody's man. listening to us. It's a hobby. Right, so fuck it. Just release it at our own time when the... the Get the scroll. This episode right. is brought to you by Lucas Free Time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm monetizing my friendship for someday. Who knows when? Who knows? In a couple of years, people might actually be listening to us. I doubt it, but it's be, it'll be a fun ride all the way. Anyway. Yeah, either way. Um, but thanks for listen, listening nonetheless. Yes. And yeah, subscribe you. on YouTube uh, if you care to. Um, help me make this fucking thing look nice. I can't figure out the scroll. It's driving, or don't, and that'll be, part of nuts. The, that'll be part of the character. Yeah, 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 exactly. The charm. I think you... I think what I showed you the video of, you're like, yeah, it looks like shit. Don't. Well, because it I'm did. Like, I'm like, well, it's illegible. I'm always so honest with you, at least. I'm not going to lie. I guess I shouldn't ma- shouldn't mind either way. But anywho. The Stay me- tuned for, for Mando, season three. Yeah, yeah, Mando's coming up. So th- there you go. Perfect reason to follow us on Twitter. Exactly. And, uh, Can't uh, wait. And on the YouTube channel so you can see that come out. Anyway, uh, Chewie, get us out of here. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I could turn it down. No, it's got to be an 11. It's got to be a reason. More. Yeah. <laughs> More! Yeah. My brother hates Let's this. Let's jack that up a little bit. Oh, man.